Welcome to the Rare Faith Podcast, where the solution to every problem is only an idea away, and where the same activity with just a little more awareness always yields better results. Award-winning, best-selling author, Leslie Householder, brings some of her best information to this inspiring series of life-changing episodes that you won't want to miss. Show notes for this episode can be found at ararekindoffaith.com. Good morning, everyone. This is Chris Miles here. Welcome to the Chris Miles Money Show. This is all about abundance and prosperity and cash flow today. So I am so excited for our guest today that we have that I'm going to introduce in just one moment. Uh, before I do, just as a reminder, just want to remind you to check out moneyripples.com where you can see other blogs, events, and other tools and resources, both free and paid, and take this to a deeper level. It's great. I love having you on the show, and I'd love to be able to keep serving you in any way, shape, or form. So today, we are having a special guest we have with us today, Leslie Householder. I know some of you know her, maybe some of you don't, but let me give you an introduction just briefly of who she is. Leslie, specifically, is someone I met just back in 2008, so I've known her and Trevin, just an amazing, genuine couple. Now, obviously, something you may know about her is the best-selling author of The Jackrabbit Factor, also author of Hidden Treasures, has made great material with the study courses and things like that she's created as well, and also, too, she's been mentored and coached by people like Bob Proctor, who many of you might have seen from The Secret, but I'll tell you, from a personal standpoint, I mean, as great as she is and as amazing as a person as she is, I'll tell you from a personal standpoint that she does not disappoint. Like I tell people each and every week, when I have guests on here, I don't like posers. You know, I don't like people that talk the talk, but they can't walk the walk. Leslie is someone who's a true person that lives these principles we're talking about today. She's someone who really lives those laws of abundance, someone who's really out there to make a difference and to bless people's lives. And I'm so honored that she would take the time to be able to be on our show today. So, Leslie, how are you doing? Hey, Chris. Thanks so much for having me. It's an honor. Oh, absolutely. So, Leslie, I know the big topic of today is we're talking about these hidden treasures because there's definitely these laws of prosperity that are out there. And one thing I love on this show is that we talk about principles and then we talk about practical application. It's always the one-two punch, right? You got to yeah. have both. And it's not just an either-or scenario. But I really want to focus on these principles to where they become something that's real and practical because one thing that drives me nuts is when people will just come out and say, like, hey, I'm going to manifest a million dollars. I'm going to manifest money into my life. And then they manifest being broke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they're yeah. always talking about manifesting, but they never truly manifest. That's one thing you bring to the table. It's so great. You teach people how to be creators, especially. And so, you know, tell me more about that. What are your thoughts on that? Well, a couple things. For one thing, I like to call it co-creation. I know there's kind of two different camps emerging in this world of the laws of abundance and this kind of thing. And I can speak from both sides because as I was learning the principles, I had to sift through and kind of interpret what I was hearing into a context that I understood from my upbringing. And it seems like the two camps of thought are that you can create anything, you can do anything, and I believe that is true. And I've seen those principles work. And then on the other side of that, I've also learned that there are appropriate times and places to use the principles and not so appropriate times to use the principles. As we are able to use them anytime, we can avoid some pain and heartache by being careful how and when we use them. And this may be too soon to jump into something so deep, but it's a new thought that I've had recently, and I thought I'd just share it here. The principles of procreation, how children come to the world, 
there's appropriate times and places to use that power and other times and places where it creates a lot of pain and heartache. And so co-creation is the same way. And so I just want to put that right out there in front that you're not going to hear a lot of people talking about when and how to use the principles. But that has become my new theme because I have experienced both sides. I've seen and felt the pain of using it at times where maybe what I asked for wasn't necessarily the best thing for me. And so, man, actually I'm surprising myself that I'm coming out with this so soon in the call. <laughs> there you have it, Chris. <laughs> it's all perfect. I think that's true because, I mean, there's laws and there's principles with everything. And I definitely believe that any principle or law, it can be either productively or it can be used in a way that's very destructive too, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, you know, I think it begins with first discovering and realizing, oh, my goodness, there is something real to these principles. They really do work. They are true. I look over my life and the times where I've really tried to intentionally change the direction my life was going. And there is a lot of energy that goes into keeping your thoughts in the right place so that you can receive everything that is available to you. Because we are meant to live abundantly. All around us, nature is showing us that truth is abundance. Abundance is truth. Each seed that comes from an apple has the potential to produce many, many more apples in the future. Growth, abundance, that is nature's way. But there is also this other force of entropy where things fall into chaos and without intention, without energy put in, that abundance is not going to be realized. Instead, our life falls into disarray. Our life falls into chaos. Our life falls into pain. And while struggle is going to always be a part of our life, You know, I never promise anyone that if you just live these principles correctly, you will never have pain or struggle. That's the law of polarity in play. That's one of the seven laws that we talk about in the book, Hidden Treasures, is that there is opposition in all things, and it's just as it should be. That's necessary. But let me just give you a quick example of how some people have begun to learn about these principles, and then it kind of turns sideways on them, and they don't quite know how to interpret what's happening For example, my daughter, when she was in, oh gosh, I want to say maybe fourth grade, she was really struggling with friends, finding friends, finding friends that would be loyal to her, true friends. And we were really having a hard time finding someone that she could really connect with and be herself with. And she would go to her orchestra class and she said, Mom, nobody wants to sit by me. Nobody likes me. And she was just allowing herself to think on the images of the experience that she didn't like. And I said, you know what, what we need to do here is I want you to imagine what it's going to be like to have that friend that you're looking for. I want you to be careful how you think. Instead of allowing yourself to feel despair and worry about how things are now, let's get excited and anticipating how you hope things will be. So let's turn that switch. And so we imagined it, and she allowed herself to feel what that's going to feel like. And she had a prayer before she went to that class that day. And you may not be a praying kind of person. I see prayer as a way to get in alignment our thoughts, our emotions, and our intentions in the creator of all things. And then, like I said, I see it as a co-creative process. I believe that those blessings are available to us more abundantly than we are allowing ourselves to receive them. And so through gratitude for what we expect, we can put ourselves more closely in alignment with that. 
And so she did. She went to the class, and her first thought was to go sit down next to somebody that she wanted to meet and spend more time with. But she had fear. And by default, she ended up in the corner chair where nobody would want to go just because she felt safer in that comfort zone where she had always been before. Now, you see this pattern repeating. We have great intentions. We have an intention to change something. We have an idea that comes to us. There will always be an idea that comes to you after you set the goal in your mind or heart properly. You know, whether or not you write it down, if the intention is there and the vision for it has been created in your mind and you allow yourself to feel the gratitude you expect to feel when it comes to pass, then you're going to get an idea and you think, oh, great, I'm going to go follow that idea. But what always comes next is that fear because you're breaking out. You're going to face the terror barrier. And so she did. She faced it and she caved and she went and sat in a chair that was always on the side and nobody would ever want to go sit over there because nobody ever had. And as she was sitting there, this was the interesting piece, she hadn't let go of the belief that something might change, but she had some fear and she caved to it. But while she was sitting there, she looked on her stand and there was this big, ugly spider sitting there. And she's like, oh. And so she took her book and she tried to brush it away and it landed in her lap instead and she freaked out. And she's trying to brush it off her lap and finally she couldn't see it anymore, but she didn't know where it was. And out of fear of spider not knowing where it actually was, it moved her to another chair. And just as she sat down there, two other girls walked in and flanked her on either side and started talking with her and she made some friends that day. And so I just want to bring this back to when we really have this intention to change our life, we picture how things are going to be instead, how we want things to be. We begin that co-creative process and we allow ourselves to feel it, what we expect to feel, and we get that gratitude going before it's happened. And really what you're doing is you're tricking your subconscious mind into believing that it's true before it is. Our subconscious mind can't distinguish the difference between an experience that is real and one that is imagined. And so if it's living one, in your imagination and it believes it's true, then it's going to also move you in ways that you wouldn't otherwise be moved. It makes you do things you wouldn't otherwise do. I believe that since she had set that intention and applied that faith, that when the negative experience came, instead of just staying there in spite of the spider, it was easier for her to move to an uncomfortable place because staying where she was was even more uncomfortable. And so here's what happens to people when they set a goal for abundance. They set the goal. They believe it. They can see it. They're excited about it. They get an idea. They move on that idea, and they face a terror barrier. And whether or not they push through it or even if they cave to it, they have planted a seed. And as long as they don't say, well, I guess this won't happen, I guess this is impossible, and cast the seed away, if they just don't kill the seed, then stuff is going to happen. Things come into our life that look like setting the goal has backfired on us. Things get worse instead of better. It's kind of exciting when you can step back and look at that negative experience as, oh, I wonder how this is moving me to where I need to be to receive what I've been asking for. Isn't that interesting? Very interesting. Oh, that's a powerful example. I love that story too. I've noticed in my own life, like I think the thing that's really frustrating and I know it's hard to master is that faith. I think the faith is the catalyst that moves us to action, that moves us to walk the path to make those principles become a reality. It reminded me almost of experience I had back in 2006 when I started to learn this a little bit. Um, I was reading books like Master Key to Riches by Napoleon Hill and 
books like that to start to really understand because up to that point, I'd really lived an impoverished mindset. And I remember that March, I just really quit being a financial advisor. I said, I'm done. No more money stuff for me. And then uh, I went out to lunch with a few friends. They'd see me go through some rough times as a financial advisor. And when I did that, I sat down with them. They said, one of them being kind of sarcastic and a little bit saucy with me, he said, so Chris, you getting that Mercedes yet? And I kind of looked at him in shock. I said, did I tell you that? I said, tell you what? I said, did I tell you I was planning to get Mercedes this July? Because that's when my Ford Escort was going to renew. And his face kind of dropped because he was just joking, but then he realized I was dead serious. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and it was a very different conversation because there's a whole new level of faith. Here's the thing, though. I mean, I was very excited, but I had no fruit yet. I hadn't seen the fruit. I had planted yeah. those seeds, but the gestation hadn't happened, and it was still occurring. Ironically, though, it was actually that May, the day that my daughter was born, that I went to my brother-in-law as he sold cars. I said, you know what? You want to go on a date? He said, okay. Where? I said, hey, let's uh, let's go shopping for Mercedes. Well, what kind? And I told him I wanted to E-class, and he said, well, why don't you just buy mine? <laughs> he said, oh, yeah, I've had it for nine months. It just sits in the garage. I only take it out on weekends. And, of course, the next week, even though I didn't have the greatest credit, I was able to make things work because I always knew that there had to be a way. And I always ask myself, well, why not? Why not could it happen? And as a result, a week later, I had the Mercedes two months early. And uh, it was a powerful example of how that manifestation really happens. It can happen very quickly. It does need to be aligned with principle, of course, but it's uh, powerful to see when you have that level of faith. It's just amazing what happens when that occurs. I think everybody really deep down believes there is something to this. Right. And, you know, I've made it something of a mission. (laughs) It's funny because I knew there was something to it. I had experienced it in a couple of instances in my life when we found ourselves just so destitute and so impoverished. Like you said, it's the down by the river story. But, you know, I like to tell people, I don't know, have you ever been this stressed about money that, like I did, I called the police on a kid who broke my broom? (laughs) I've never met anyone like me. And so I think maybe that's partly why I've really taken this assignment on to help people understand these principles because it took me so long to figure them out and it was so hard for me to figure them out. My husband and I, we attended no less than 100 seminars trying to crack the code and figure it out. So what I've been able to do is I don't just give you that how-to book step-by-step, one, two, three, four, boom, there you are and what's wrong with you if you couldn't make it work. I really connect with people and help them understand all the hundred ways it doesn't work because to me that is what brings more clarity, more understanding. Okay, yeah, I know I need to write my goals down. Yeah, I know I need to see it. I know I need to visualize it, but why isn't it working? What am I doing wrong? Well, here's all the ways that I did it wrong, and here's what I learned through those experiences. I just want to shorten that process for people. I don't want it to take them seven years or more. You know And uh, I think about a locksmith and how what you can learn from a locksmith. You imagine those combination locks that have the dials on them. You have to put each one in place before it will spring open. Every one of us has a certain number of epiphanies that we have to have before that lock will spring open. And just because you have one epiphany, it might not be the final one. And for us, it took more than 100 seminars. And each one, we got that nugget, oh, my gosh. And so we'd apply what we'd learned and, oh, that taught us what it wasn't over here and over there. And finally, it was after that 100th epiphany or however many it was, the lock sprung open and we tripled our income in three months. And for other people, all it 
is is one more epiphany, and they're there. I've seen it work for people after two attempts, and it's been so frustrating. Like, are you kidding me? That is so not fair. But I think maybe that's why we do what we do, because it took us so long, and maybe there's just, say, 500 epiphanies that everybody has to have, and some of them were born with 30 of them or 200 of them, or the way they were raised, they have 500 minus two, and they only need two more. You know, it's a path that we can all get on and all can have that final, oh, my gosh, it really works. And now I know how to steer my life to where I really want it to go. It just takes each one of us a different amount of time and a different number of epiphanies. And so if this call doesn't do it for you, stay on the path. It will eventually spring open for you. I have no doubts about that. Yeah, I definitely second that as well. It doesn't always happen the time that you want, but it's always the perfect timing, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. And I think if I had had it spring open too soon for me, I would have had no motivation to put together free books and classes and things. I tell you, if I hadn't gone through the pain I went through, that when the lights finally turned on, I mean, I was never looking for a career. I didn't want a career. I just wanted to be mom. And I still am just mom. You know, that's how I see myself. But when the lights finally went on and we broke out of that bondage, it was such an emotional experience for me. I thought, I can't not share this. I can relate to people who are struggling and who are frustrated and who want to just give up again and again and again and just don't give up. Just take one more step. There were times where you could see me driving down the road screaming my affirmations, just trying to overcome that that pull of mediocrity and of bondage and despair that I had been living in for so long. It's like launching a rocket. The energy that's required at the front of it is intense, and it's it's so, oh, it takes everything you've got. But once you've pulled out of that gravity, it's the freedom, it's the soaring, and we still have problems. We still have setbacks. I had some big setbacks about three years ago that really landed me flat, and we had to put some pieces back together, and we wondered, okay, well, is everything we've been teaching wrong? No, it's not wrong. We just got to learn some more lessons, and you guys get to learn from those lessons so that maybe you don't have to experience them for yourself. And that's coming back to what we started with. There can be some heartache by applying them to things that are not for your highest good. And so I hope you connect with me and read the things that I've written so that you can do it right the first time. You know, if you can stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before, you can go farther and faster and with less heartache. And that's my intention. That's what I hope for each of you who are listening. Oh, amen to that. So, Leslie, uh, I'm going to ask you, what's one thing that you feel somebody could do, the people listening to this right now that are listening to our show, you know, what's maybe one thing that you feel prompted to tell everybody that they should go and do right now? At the risk of sounding uh, self-promoting, if you haven't read it yet, go download the free book, No Cost, The Hidden Treasures, Heaven's Astonishing Health with Your Money Matters ebook. It's at hiddentreasuresbook.com. I think you're going to find that if you just read the first chapter, there is an introduction, there is a preface, but once you get into the very first law, it's called the law of perpetual transmutation. The lights are going to go on in your mind as to why things that you've hoped for, things that you've set goals for, haven't showed up yet and how they may be closer than you think. And that right there can be the hope, that new infusion of hope, that re 
awakening to hope. You've got to have hope. Hope is the poor man's bread. You got to stay on hope. And I found that when I didn't believe in myself, I could believe in the laws because laws are constant. Laws are dependable. Laws are in effect whether or not we believe in them, whether or not we like them. We don't have to understand them, but they're always in effect like gravity. But the more we understand about them, the more we can see them in our mind's eye affecting us, the more we can work with them. We can work with gravity to avoid pain. Okay, I know that it would not be wise to do this or that because of gravity. Oh, it's a good thing we know gravity exists. Well, there are also the law of aerodynamics that working in concert with gravity can help us stay right where we want to be. It's just so cool. It's a fun conversation. And so that would be my strongest recommendation is to go read Chapter 1 of Hidden Treasures. And if you've already read it, read it again. That's what I would have to say. 